0: Peter Schiffs show. As I said on a prior podcast, this could be the first presidential honeymoon to end before the marriage officially begins. Donald Trump will not be sworn in until Friday. Uh, yet the honeymoon already appeals to be over for the Trump trade. The dollar continues to decline again today. Gold continues to rise, confounding the experts who, at the beginning of the year, predicted the opposite. Gold up again today, about 14 bucks. It was up 4 or $5 bucks, uh, yesterday on the Martin Luther King holiday. We're now at about 1217 for the price of gold. We're still well below where we were the day that Trump won, but this is the highest we've been at about six weeks, maybe more. It's certainly the highest for the year. Dollar down across the board, dollar index at the low for the year. Still up from uh, Trump's victory, but down quite a bit uh, from the highs. And of course, other currencies, even though the dollar index is down 2%, you've got currencies like the Australian dollar up 4.5%. So I think that currency has pretty much recovered everything that it lost based on the Trump victory. Gold, though it hasn't recovered everything, is still up almost 6% so far year to date. I think silver's up better than 7% year-to-date. Gold stocks, look at the GDX, were up 12% so far this year. That means that gold stocks by far are the top-performing sector in 2017. They were by far the top-performing stock sector in 2016. And I actually think that the outperformance in 2017 is going to be even greater than what the outperformance was in 2016. The Dow down again today. At one point, it was down, I think, close to 100. The Dow transports ended down over 100, down 102. But the Dow was down about 60 points. So I think it's basically flat on the year, slightly positive. Uh, the nasdaq was down 35 points s p down as well maybe the s p is still up about one percent on the year so u.s stocks are barely moving when foreign stocks some of these emerging markets are up huge some of these stocks that we have especially when you price them in u.s dollars but all the foreign markets thus far in 2017 are beating the u.s market and again That is not what all of the experts were expecting. That's not what they were forecasting. Anybody who read some of the early forecasts from the first week of the year, the first couple of days or the end of last year, it was all about the Trump rally and America is back and he's going to make America great again. Gold's going below a thousand. The dollar's going down against the euro. It's going to parity Uh, and uh, the dollar is going to be strong. The opposite is happening just as I had been suggesting it would. In fact, even today, one of the reasons that they're blaming for the dollar's decline is some negative comments that were made by Trump himself about the dollar being overvalued. Now, why this would surprise any currency traders is beyond me. Donald Trump always talked about the overvalued dollar, as he was a candidate. I mean, he didn't always say the dollar is overvalued. He would say foreign currencies are undervalued, which is basically like saying the same thing, only using different words. But he campaigned on reviving our manufacturing by depressing the value of our currency. If he wants foreign currencies to appreciate And by definition, he wants the dollar to depreciate. And so the dollar is depreciating. And I think it has a long way to go. And I'm amazed that currency traders are surprised by this. This is obviously what's going to happen. I mean, this is what happened to the dollar when George Bush replaced Bill Clinton. And I think the same thing, only worse, will happen now that Trump is about to replace Obama because I believe the dollar is actually more overvalued now than it was then and I believe the U.S. economy is in much worse shape now than it was then and I believe the deficits that we're going to have under Trump will be much greater than the deficits that we had under Bush and these deficits are going to weigh heavily on the value of the U.S. dollar and of course monetary policy is already much easier than it was uh, when Bush came in and it's going to get even easier still as this stagflationary environment unfolds early in the Trump term. But it wasn't just Donald Trump that was making comments about the dollar being too strong. You had Anthony Scaramucci, who is a advisor to Donald Trump, was so in the campaign. He helped raise money for Donald Trump. He's going to have some capacity. He's going to be advising him in an official capacity, uh, is over in Davos. And he's you know, the only— Trump guy to actually have made the pilgrimage to the Swiss Alps to uh, hang out with all the hedge fund guys because you know these are his peeps and he's been going there. Uh, But you know he's now basically I just read today that he sold SkyBridge, which is his company, which is really a fund of funds, right? What SkyBridge does is they take money from investors and invest it in a bunch of other hedge funds, and of course. SkyBridge customers have now two levels of fees. They pay SkyBridge a fee, and then they pay the fees on the hedge funds, although I'm sure that SkyBridge negotiates some kind of discount off the 2 and 20 in order to justify the fees that they charge on their own. But what they do is they create a a diversified portfolio of various hedge funds. They also have this conference, which I speak at annually in Las Vegas. It generally coincides with the Las Vegas Money Show, and it is the Uh, alternative asset investments, Skybridge alternative asset, uh, commonly referred to as the SALT conference. And apparently he sold Skybridge and SALT. So he's no longer involved because this clears the way now for him to work in the Trump administration. And he's cashed out to the tune of $200 million. Now, I think about 50% of that belongs to Anthony. So he's going to cash out with about $100 million payday. Not bad. I'm not sure if it's tax free or not. Right. Be, you know, normally, when you have to liquidate your holdings in order to take a government job, you get to do it tax free. I'm not sure if that applies to this or not. I'm sure we'll we'll find out eventually. Uh, but uh, either way, it's a pretty good payday for for Anthony's a nice guy. And he's over in Davos and apparently up on a panel. He also said that the dollar was too strong. And apparently this is what helped spark this big sell off overnight. In the U.S. dollar, the dollar went out on the lows today in the New York session uh, that uh, Anthony Scaramucci is saying the dollar is too high. Why is this going to surprise anybody if Donald Trump says we need to export more and the reason we're not is because our currency is overvalued, then why would people be surprised by these comments? And I think we're going to get more of these comments. So is it officially a weak dollar policy? as opposed to the official strong dollar policy that we had under Rubin and Bill Clinton? I think so. I mean, there really never was a strong dollar policy other than simply talking about the strong dollar policy. The government didn't actually do anything to make the dollar stronger. But the fact that they supposedly had this strong dollar policy was enough to push it up. Well, I think if we have a weak dollar policy where we don't actually do anything to weaken the dollar, but simply talk about a weaker, why a weaker dollar would be a benefit or why the dollar is too strong. That is a policy. But of course, fundamentally, the whole time we had a strong dollar policy, economically, what we were doing was creating a weak dollar. And that's the same thing now. If you have big trade deficits, if you have artificially low interest rates, if you're creating a lot of money, all of that uh, will weaken the dollar. And that's what we're doing. And so, you know, if the dollar can weaken when we have a strong dollar policy, imagine how much weaker the dollar could go when we actually have a weak dollar policy to go along with all the weak dollar things that we are doing. And I don't believe that the weak dollar is going to revitalize our manufacturing industry any more than it revitalized our manufacturing industry under George Bush. What happened as the dollar weakened under Bush? Did we have a resurgence in US manufacturing? No. Now, our trade deficits expanded. We had these record high trade deficits, despite the fact that the dollar was weakening. And I expect the same thing to happen again. And in fact, another very, very similar thing is happening at the Fed. Almost, you know, you wouldn't even believe this if it wasn't true, right? Truth is tra- stranger than, than fiction. But if you remember during the, uh, the Bush years, when um, Alan Greenspan was the head of the Fed, he constantly talked about how smart consumers were because they utilized their houses like a financial asset, that they were smart enough. They didn't just let their home equity just sit there and rot, right? That they, they were smart enough to manage their balance sheets and tap into their home equity and go out and buy things. And he said this was great. He was praising this consumer for being smart enough, right, to lever up his house and then go buy things right utilizing home equity extractions and of course at the time I was writing all these articles which you can still read they're up on my website they're on the internet on how this was a horrible idea that encouraging Americans to treat their houses like ATM machines to lever up to take on mortgage debt especially given how overvalued real estate was and the fact that the Fed was raising rates the Fed was moving interest rates higher At the precise time, it was encouraging homeowners to borrow more money against their homes and go out and spend it on stuff to artificially stimulate the economy. Well now you have New York Fed President William Dudley today coming out and saying the exact same thing. He says that it would be prudent if homeowners were to tap into their equity and then go shopping. Prudent? I mean, I don't know how this guy defines prudent. How about reckless? And he's actually lamenting the fact that more consumers are not doing this. He says they're just sitting there and allowing their home equity to just, you know, go untapped. It's just it's just being wasted. It's just sitting there not being utilized. I mean, could you imagine this is a central banker going out there and telling people, yeah, lever up the house. Right. Go out and mortgage your house and go shopping. Buy stuff. Right. Stuff that you probably don't even need stuff that you can't afford because you're borrowing money, and go buy it anyway. Dudley said that if consumers would borrow against their home equity, that it would be a boost to consumption and it would give the economy a shot in the arm. Yeah, a shot of heroin. That's what it would do. That's what it did before. Why would we want to encourage homeowners to take on more debt? That is why the financial crisis was so bad. That is why when real estate prices went down, So many people defaulted. You see, what happened is, let's say somebody bought a house early in the bubble. Let's say they bought a house for $300,000 and they had, even let's say they they put $50,000 down, which most people probably didn't do. But let's say they put down $50,000 and they borrowed $250,000. Let's say the house went from $300,000 to $600,000. It doubled. But during that time, they borrowed another $200,000 and spent it. They bought a car, they took a vacation, maybe they bought a rental house. Whatever They just they, they did exactly what Dudley is suggesting they do now. They did what Greenspan was suggesting. They went and borrowed. So instead of a $250,000 mortgage, they now have a $450,000 mortgage. Now the house that they originally bought for $300,000 goes down to $400,000. Had they not borrowed any money, right? they would still have like $100,000 of equity. But because they borrowed all this money and spent it, Now they're underwater, right? Their house is now worth less than the mortgages because they tapped out. They extracted so much equity. So now what do they do? Well, now they just, you know, default. They mail in the keys or they stop making their mortgage payments. They stop paying their property taxes. They stop making routine repairs because, you know, they don't want to repair the bank's house, right? That is what exacerbated the decline. And do you think these idiots learned anything from their prior mistakes? No. No. They just want homeowners to do exactly what they did in the last bubble because they're desperate to try to keep consumers spending. And so they've run out of money. And so these guys at the Fed say, hey, wait a minute. You still have some equity in your house. Forgetting about the fact that that is a bubble and all that equity might evaporate. Just tap into it now. While well, banks are still dumb enough to make you the loan, go out and borrow the money and buy some depreciating to consumer goods. Just go buy some more stuff that was made in China so that we can import it and run up our trade deficit so we can goose the GDP a little bit. This is what these morons at the Federal Reserve are saying. You know, I'm reading the article. And if you the title of the article, it's like, hey, New York Chief Fed Dudley has an idea. Homeowners should tap into their equity. Yeah, what a great idea. Man, how did he come up with this one? Wow, man, that's... This, guy, this guy's got a Ph.D., right? This is one of the smartest guys out there because he's the president of New York Fed. And, you know, he came up with a brilliant idea, right? Lever up your house, treat your house like an ATM, and go out and buy a bunch of stuff. This is brilliant. This is what the top economic minds of our country have come up with. You know, another thing that may, in fact, be worrying some of the people that were so excited about all the free market reforms that were going to happen under Donald Trump is some of the things that Donald Trump is now saying about Obamacare. Because right? if you listen to what he's saying, he keeps talking about how we're going to replace it. In fact, I think he focuses more on the replacement part than the repeal part, right, because we're going to replace it with something great something bigger and better right he's now saying that everybody is going to have coverage nobody is going to lose their coverage and the co-pays and the deductibles are going to be much lower so everybody's going to have more insurance for less thanks to the government thanks to some government plan what are we going to call it Trump care you know I mean this is some scary stuff And why is it? Because Donald Trump, right, is afraid to tell people that they have to buy their own insurance and they're not going to get something for nothing. And I mentioned this before. It was very easy for the Republicans to repeal Obamacare when they knew it wouldn't be repealed. It was easy to vote to repeal Obamacare when you knew that, you know, it was dead on arrival, that Obama was not going to actually sign the repeal. So you can grandstand all you want without having to deal with, any angry voters who may have lost some insurance that they had because there are people who are benefiting from Obamacare, right? There's not nobody who's benefiting from this government program. Somebody is benefiting. Of course, other people are losing, right? But there are winners and the problem is those winners vote and um, people don't want to lose their votes. I mean, why do you think so few programs are ever repealed? Think about all the bad uh, programs that we get under the Democrats. When Republicans replace them, do any of them get repealed? No, they never get repealed. The Republicans just layer on more bad programs of their own. And so we get more and more government all the time, no matter who's in office. And people were so optimistic that, well, all of this is gonna change under Donald Trump, why? I mean, it would be great if it did, but you know, I'm from Missouri, right? I, show me, I wanna see some changes before I go ahead and believe them and bake them into my assumptions and start making investments based on all this deregulation that I think is gonna happen because what, a politician has promised that it's gonna happen? I mean, even though Trump is not a career politician, he is now a politician, he's in politics, right? And so he is acting very political, certainly with respect to his rhetoric on the replacement for Obamacare, which is one of the reasons why they may never repeal it because they have to replace it with something that where nobody loses any, any type of benefit? I mean, he doesn't talk about just replacing it with the free market, which is tantamount to not replacing it at all. I mean, yes, there are some bills that we should pass when we repeal Obamacare to free up uh, the health care market, to stop artificially encouraging people to overutilize insurance, to stop encouraging people to, to be compensated th- with health insurance that is non-taxed, rather than wages or salaries, which are taxed, right, we need to do that. We need to get the government out of health care and health insurance in a big way so that the free market can come in and work its magic, which is lower costs and improve quality. But there is no free lunch. There is nothing. There is no something for nothing. We just can't hand out free insurance to people that, that can't afford it. But it seems that that is what Trump is promising. I don't know. Maybe maybe he's just saying this stuff and maybe what we're actually going to see is going to be nothing like what he's saying. But then why is he saying it? Why is he just spouting out about this kind of stuff, about how no one's going to lose anything? Remember, you know, you want to under-promise and over-deliver, not promise the moon and then deliver, you know, something that's not quite what everybody is now expecting. So this is going to be a very, very difficult uh, trick to pull off. For the republicans but we'll see but I think some of the people who were very enthusiastic now are starting to second guess uh, that enthusiasm also you know Donald Trump threw some cold water today on the idea of a border adjusted tax right now he says I don't like that idea although he's still talking about tariffs I mean get this he was out there tweeting against BMW because BMW is going to build a plant in in Mexico, and Donald Trump is like, no 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 no, you better build that plant in America, or we're going to slap a thirty five percent tariff on any of the cars that you want to export from Mexico to America. And I'm like, what? BMW is a German company. Why is an Angela Merkel threatening uh, to tax uh, a BMW? I mean isn't it the german workers who are losing out right why isn't bmw building that plant in germany why are they building it in america they it, aren't it the germans who are losing out on jobs now bmw already has a huge plant in america it's not like they don't have a plant here but they want to build one in mexico right? why can't they it's a german company let them build a plant wherever they want first of all too the cars that they're building in that mexican plant Some of those cars are going to be sold to Mexicans. I mean, there are Mexican people who buy BMWs, right? Some are going to be sold probably in Canada, but probably some of them will be sold in South America. Maybe somebody in Brazil or Argentina wants to buy a BMW. Maybe they're going to make them in Mexico and ship them down south, right? Why do they have to build that plant in America? But Donald Trump's like, oh, you better build that plant in America or we're going to put a 35% tariff on you. I mean, this is not... Uh, the things that the president should be talking about. He is ruffling a lot of feathers, now a lot in Germany. In fact, you know what I think Angela Merkel said? You know, if um, America wants Germans to buy more American cars, they ought to start making better cars, which is probably true. I mean, one of the reasons that so many people want BMWs and want Mercedes and want Audi is because for the money, they're much better than the cars that American companies are turning out. That's just the bottom line. That's why people are buying these cars. Now, obviously, if Trump wants to make these cars 35% more expensive, well, maybe a few Americans that are now buying them won't, right? That's probably going to happen. But also what Angela Merkel was uh, reminding Donald Trump is that if you're going to just stop uh, slapping tariffs on you know, imports from Germany or other countries, a lot of the cars that are, in fact, made in America are using parts that are imported from other countries, And so if you slap on the imports, all those made in America cars are going to be a lot more expensive, too. And of course, how do Americans buy cars? They borrow the money. Americans are already buying cars that they can't afford. Now, if you're going to make those cars they can't afford even more expensive, and now they're going to have to borrow even more money to go out and buy them. I mean, what's going to happen? I mean, you are going to hear the air gushing out of this uh, auto bubble even faster than it is already if... Trump is successful and he actually implements these uh, these tariffs. But also contrary to what everybody is saying, the dollar is not going to rise. I mean, I heard that nonsense again today in that one of the reasons the dollar was down is because Trump was throwing cold water on the border adjusted tax because people were thinking, oh, if we have a 20 percent import tax, well, the dollar is going to rise by 20 percent to make up the difference. I mean, why? Why should that happen? It won't happen at all. In fact, what's far more likely is that the dollar will fall as a result of the import tax and the result will be a double whammy for American consumers. They'll have to pay higher prices because of the tax and then they'll have to pay even higher prices because of the falling dollar and the increase in the cost of imports because of the FX. Now, I'm again, I'm not against that. I think that that has to happen. Americans have been getting it too cheap. Americans have been getting the, you know, a free ride on the global gravy train. Right? The dollar has been overvalued because we've been able to borrow money that we can't repay. We've been consuming things that we can't produce. And the world's been dumb enough to subsidize this consumption binge. And it has to come to an end. And you know, tariffs may accelerate that process. And to that extent, that's a good thing. I and mean, I'm all in favor of you know, stop digging us into a deeper hole. But what so many people don't understand is how deep this hole already is and what the reality is going to feel like when we have to acknowledge where we are, when we have to actually live within our means. In fact, we're going to have to live beneath our means. To actually get out of this hole means Americans are going to start under consuming again. We are going to have to replenish our savings, right? We're going to have to not buy stuff. We have to put money in the bank and save it. Right. We're going to have to create. We're going to have to work. We're going to have to build. There's going to have to be a big restructuring. And so nobody is prepared for any of this. Least of all, Trump or any of the people who are, you know, so enthusiastic about how America is going to be so great now that we've simply elected Donald Trump. People are in for a rude awakening and it's already happening. The markets are already saying that people have it wrong. It's just that too many people aren't listening yet. I think we're going to need to have some bigger moves before we get any people reassessing uh, their their outlook. So I think we're going to have to see gold take out the highs from the night Trump won. Remember, initially when Trump won, gold rallied about 60 bucks, right? Then it sold off. We need to take out that high. And I think we will take out that high. And I think the dollar is going to take out its low from the night that Trump won. Because I do think, that that immediate reaction, that knee-jerk reaction, is actually the correct action. That the result of a Trump presidency, although it may have happened even if Clinton, probably it would have happened even if Clinton uh, won, but the the result of the election, the future for the gold and for the US dollar is a much higher price for gold and a much lower dollar. And that was the knee-jerk reaction to the Trump victory. And then we had this ridiculous counter reaction where all the suckers lined up for this narrative of economic nirvana of you know morning in America it's another Ronald Reagan Nobody bothered to realize that this whole picture that was being painted was complete fantasy and never could happen. They didn't understand the differences between the United States today and the United States in 1980. They didn't understand the real nature of the problems or where we were. And they just piled onto this narrative and you know, blindly just followed the indexes higher and they just bought US stocks and sold their gold and sold their gold stocks and, and bought dollars, right? That was the head fake. That was the sucker's move to get everybody positioned the wrong way. Now the markets are going to make the real move. And I found, you know, throughout history that markets tend to do this to you, right? Just before they make a big move in one direction, They make a head fake in the other direction, kind of like a a runner, a football guy, you know, juking left, knowing that he wants to go right, but he wants to get the the, the tackles going in the wrong direction and then quickly reverse course. And I think that's what the markets have done. They've got everybody loaded up on this pro dollar trade, this pro U.S. stock market trade, anti-gold trade, right? Everybody is going one way and now they're about to juke. And and, and go in the other direction because bull markets generally want to take as few people along for the ride as possible. They want to shake out all the weak players. They want to get people betting on the wrong side. And then what's really going to fuel this market, the next big move is going to be fueled by all the people who bet wrong. When they realize that they're wrong and they want to, you know, cash out, right? They want to stop the losses. They want to stop the bleeding and then jump on the bad way. And they want to get on the winning trade and cut their losses on their losing trade. So that's going to fuel the momentum and then you're going to see an even bigger move down in the dollar, you're going to see an even bigger move up in in the price of gold.
1: Today's financial advisors behave like pro wrestling TV commentators. They scream that the recovery is strong, debt is manageable, inflation is low, and that the Federal Reserve has everything under control. If you live in the United States and have $25,000 or more to invest, call 800 727 7922. That's 800 727 7922. Non US residents access similar strategies through Euro Pacific Bank at EuropacBank.com. Euro Pacific Capital and Euro Pacific Bank are affiliated companies.
0: Hi, this is Peter Schiff, and long before foreign governments were buying gold, I urged my clients to put 5 to 10% of their portfolios into physical precious metals.